Brady and Belichick have been at the forefront of the credit in New England for the last 20 years. OTB's American Football Show, The Snap on OTB Sports Radio. And you're very welcome along to the first edition of The Snap of the new season. All having a little bit of difficulty deciding what we're going to call the 2020-2021 season. 2021? But that's next year. Uh, Kian Fai, good morning to you. Good afternoon to you, even. How are you? I'm appreciating that uh, back-to-school jumper you're wearing there, Ger. Well, it's fitting for our first day back. This is not a back-to-school jumper. This is a, a piece of um, uh, GA ephemera. It, this, was the, this was the training top that my dad used in the 1970s to train the Antrim, oh. the Antrim Minor hurlers. So there you go. I know you're trying to make me feel bad. And also, it's, um, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers color. That's because we're, do- we're doing the AFC today, aren't we? That's... <laughs> that's that's definitely so. what we're doing. Yeah, good. Okay, you've, you've done your AFC research. Speaking of the AFC, it's time for the Ravens. It's time for Ronan Mullen. How are you, Ronan? This is your season. All's well, Jer. I wonder, is this our season? I think last year was our season, but uh, hopefully we can build off that momentum. The little problem of Patrick Mahomes is going to be around for a, a long time yet, so that should be a jewel to look forward to for the next few years, but hopefully the Ravens can edge it out this year. Well, we'll talk about them when we uh, we do our preview, but you've got rid of that toxic presence of one of the best safeties of all time, which is definitely going to make your team better, as we've seen in the past. Losing good players is the fastest way Here, to make your team I know Keane is Earl Thomas's number one fan and he was actually one of my favourite players for a long time. When he came into studio with yourself a few years ago, I was pretty awestruck, not going to lie, but having watched him game in, game out last year, he was not the player of yore. Like, uh, I don't know if it's because... Like, we can get into all the off-field issues, probably we can save that for another day, but, you know, even on the field having played three deep for all his career and being exceptional in that role, the Ravens were a little bit more finesse in their game plan and he did coverages so I think quietly the Ravens would be quite happy to to have him off the books granted it's a bit of a hit on the money side of things but or if not you're, they might win that case if you're effect- yeah true but like this is Lamar Jackson's team and this is something that happens through generations where there's a shift in uh, sort of leadership and Neil Thomas being the Super Bowl winner that he is serial pro bowler it was pr- pretty natural that younger players might look to him, but I think it was pretty clear towards the end of last season who the leader of that team was. And to have anyone sort of uh, affecting that, I think it, w- it would be a little bit toxic for the Ravens. So I think it's probably best that he's uh, he's out of the building. All right, I want to get into this because obviously the offseason has been dominated by uh, two, two stories. One is obviously how prepared or otherwise the NFL is going to be for the return of football. And we've seen that there's unlikely to be any college football uh, before springtime and then it's going to be a shortened spring season. We do expect that most of the games that are scheduled will go ahead as scheduled at the moment. On top of all that, there has been a far more important and uh, deep-seated story, and that's the story of institutional racism in America that has finally become a topic of broad debate. Um, It started with the murder of George Floyd, and immediately after the outpouring of um, disgust at that murder. We had Harry Edwards on the evening show speaking with Joe Malloy. Uh, he's obviously the godfather of the sociology of sport, was centrally involved in the Black Power salute in the 1968 Olympic Games in Mexico. It's kind of his idea. He has mentored various uh, athlete protesters in the generation since and has been somebody who Colin Kaepernick would have spoken to a good bit. Uh, he was on after the initial Roger Goodell statement in the wake of the murder of George Floyd and he was not impressed with how the NFL were handling things then. Have a look. 
Well, first of all, I mean, I, I read Roger's statement. I know Roger. We talk uh, two or three times a month, and I know his heart. I know his uh, fundamental sentiments, but he also uh, works at the uh, uh, suffrage of uh, the owners, who uh, most of whom are very, very conservative, if not outright reactionary, and many of them are Trump supporters. Uh, and so uh, when I read his statement, especially with uh, the fact that Colin Kaepernick is still out there, Colin Kaepernick hangs over the NFL like a shroud. Uh, and uh, when I read um, uh, Roger's statement, I mean, it, 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 it could not have any less credulity. It could not have any less veracity if it had been Dracula uh, pledging to make a donation to the blood bank. I mean, him talking about the NFL is going to stand up for justice, we're going to do our part and be responsible citizens and all the rest of that, as long as Colin Kaepernick is on the outside looking in. Um, uh, that that kind of statement uh, is laughable. And I'm quite certain that Roger realizes it, but it, as the commissioner, he had to make a statement. And it had to be a statement that essentially tried to put the NFL uh, in a good light. It failed, it flopped, it was, it was horrible. Uh, the uh, other point is that it's part and parcel of the fact that they try to say that Colin Kaepernick is out of the league because he was an economic liability. There's nothing in the facts that validates that perspective. Uh, uh, Nike made him their face of marketing in 2018, and their, their shoe sales and so forth increased by 32%. Uh, he had the most popular jersey uh, in the country in 2016 and 2017, uh, most popular jersey in the NFL, even bigger than Tom Brady's. Uh, he um, was uh, uh, has been uh, one of the most popular figures in this country. So this notion that he's an economic liability is nonsense. It makes about, much about as much sense as saying that we only have two African-American and one black Latino coach in the NFL today out of 32 teams because black uh, head coaches, and in point of fact, black GMs, there are only two of them, are an economic liability. We don't have uh, representative numbers of black head coaches and GMs because of an entrenched, reactionary, and in many instances outright racist disposition on, on the parts of NFL uh, owners. At a minimum, they are blindly arrogant to the times that they live in and the realities that are reflected when you have three black coaches out of 32 with locker rooms that are 75% black. Mm. Yeah, so that was um, a couple of weeks back, Harry Edwards speaking. He's, he's been on again since, and I, I urge you to look them both up. They're both available in uh, the podcast section on the OTB Sports app. The NFL have issued a statement on Jacob Blake. Um, the NFL community is united more than ever to support one another in these challenging times. We share anger and frustration most recently as a regular of the shooting of Jacob Blake. Uh, while our passions continue to run high, we are proud that our players and clubs, league and union are taking time to have the difficult conversations about these issues that affected the black community and other communities of colour in America. We're especially encouraged that these conversations are about how we can come together to make the necessary and long overdue changes in our country and it continued. We will not continue to use 
sorry, we will continue to not only use our collective platform to call out racism and injustice whenever and wherever it occurs in our country, but also fight together to eradicate it. Didn't go anywhere near as far as what the Baltimore Ravens did, so we can stick their statement up on uh, screen now and have a read of this. Um, this was the, their statement. Uh, and the point about this is it's not just expressing anger, it's actually suggesting some uh, very tangible things to do. So with yet another example of racial discrimination with the shooting of Jacob Blake and the unlawful abuse of peaceful protesters, we must unify as a society. I'll skip through this one. This is bigger than sports. It's time to accept accountability and acknowledge the ramifications of slavery and racial injustice. So they're point, pinpointing that this is a historic thing. And the next one there, please stick on to the next one. Though we can't right all the wrongs in our country's history, we can arrest and charge the police officers responsible for Breonna Taylor's killing and the shooting of Jacob Blake, demand that Senator Mitch McConnell bring the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act of 2020 to the Senate floor for vote. And then they go on again to suggest very specific things. And uh, the last ones here are important. Uh, prison sentencing reform that is fair and equitable and encourage everyone to engage in the political process by registering to vote on both local and national level. Um, since then, I think it's emerged that the NFL have said that all of their facilities, all training grounds, everything connected with any of the 32 clubs will be closed on polling day for November's election. So um, uh, these are actually, you know, uh, there, there's, there's a difference emerging here and there's going to be a, a, a twin track uh, two-tier or maybe multi-tier approach and how NFL teams deal with these issues. And what's going to happen is that the ones who are uh, as Harry Edwards said, um, at best, blind to the issues and at worst, institutionally racist. We're going to see those. And I, I think that's kind of a quite a positive thing that actually we don't know where what's happening in America is going to lead us, Kian, but we've certainly seen that the athletes are fully aware now of the power that they have. And who knows if there's going to be uh, a game cancelled the next time there is an extrajudicial killing by an American police force of a person of colour. Well, Harry Edwards there, was that was incredible. I, I think I'd have to seek that out because he pretty much said everything I would have said in a, a better way, I guess. Uh, it, it, he's... So uh, that, that Baltimore Ravens statement, I actually wrote an article on Off the Ball about that when it came out. And the reason I did that is the Ravens called for something very specific. And Black Lives Matter has always been about something very specific. It's been about police brutality and police killing black people at an improportional rate. And the problem with the latest movement and the, la the latest change in the na overall narrative is it's become about combating racism everywhere. And the pro why that's a problem is when you say to a racist, we need to stop racism, the racists go, yeah, we need to stop racists from other people. They don't go, oh yeah, I need to figure myself out. I need to make a specific change. Everyone sees racism as an ambiguous thing. They see acts of racism as an ambiguous thing. And us as white people tend to be very scared of being called racist or being very accused of being racist, which is a challenging thing for us, but it's not really uh, a way to grow and a way to understand and a way to make changes. So when you have guys like the NFL owners, they're all entrenched in what they do. They're all entrenched in their beliefs. They're all Republicans. They're all basically all Trump's supporters they will donate lots and lots of money to trump but they will not actually make real changes for black lives matter and combating actual racism instances of racism and systemic racism so we can't really look to the nfl owners and actually one thing edwards got very right there that most people forget or don't understand is roger goodell isn't really relevant to anything he's a representation of the 32 owners he does what the 32 owners direct him to do so he's a reflection of the nfl as a whole and the nfl like 
the NFL is a very powerful entity on its own, but the owners themselves are extremely powerful. And that's not just within sports, it's within politics, within the American society as a whole. And they can make real change if they want to. So if you look at the, the salary cap in the NFL there, that exists because Jerry Jones would just pay huge money to win a Super Bowl because he's desperate to win a Super Bowl if he was able to. If Jerry Jones actually cared about police brutality and police violence, he would not give huge money to the police and help the police, which is what defund the police is about. They're already massively overpaid. Small towns in America have tanks. Like they don't need tanks. It's an army. It's not a police. It's not a police over there. So if they had, re if they wanted real change, wanted to make, make real action, they wouldn't do all this stuff that's all symbolic and easy to do and now the popular thing to do. They would actually make change with political donations and stuff behind the scenes. Well, look, uh, we'll see what what the players are able to force the owners to do. This is the beginning of stuff, and uh, look, you just hope that it isn't the end of things and that actually they don't and they're not able to get away with what they got away with the last time when it was like let's kneel before the anthem and let's stand up during the anthem which is what uh, yeah. Jerry Jones did uh, Ronan do you have anything you want to say on this before we uh, start talking about some football no I think uh, Keane and, and Harry touched on on all the key points but like the key is for the whole thing not to be politicised as everything seems to be you've seen with the pandemic in America that he become a thing that has divided across party lines and that's something that can happen with this I know Harry also touched on um, how college football sort of the, the divisions of who's willing to come back to play and who's not has also sort of uh, geographically split also with a political leaning so you just you just hope that there's actually clarity of thinking and joined up thinking for any progressive movements here and in terms of protests on the field we know what the NBA last week and because it's only a week ago, it's hard to kind of put it in any historical context, but it does feel like that's more than just a chapter in, in this broader story. That's probably a whole book in its own right, what happened in Orlando last week. And hopefully, given that Black Lives Matter is on the court and there's, there is a little bit of symbolism about the whole thing with the names on the back of the jerseys, but really the NBA players knew and sort of gathered a consensus that it's beyond tokenism at this point. They need to make actual bold statements. And you wouldn't be surprised if similar things happen in the NFL this year. Hopefully, hopefully. Look, we, Jared, yeah. Jared, there's one thing we, we kind of skipped past that he mentioned about the coaches, and that is a major, major thing in the NFL. It's also a problem in the NBA, where Steve Nash last night became the, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, and Jason Kidd before him. There's a lot of what, like Steve, Steve Kerr is obviously has done a really good job with the Warriors, but there's a major problem in the NBA as well, where black great, great black players aren't seen as the smart coaches, which is like the institutional aspect of football always was, where the quarterbacks, black players weren't allowed to be quarterbacks so they weren't seen as smart and now that's changing a little bit so if you do want to point to some on-field or sports related change having guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray at the top of the league right now is a major major positive and Dak Prescott who is in one of the biggest positions in sports is the Dallas Cowboys quarterback yeah yeah and we obviously are going to talk about those quarterbacks now so if anybody wants to talk to us about that you can whatsapp us 087-9180-180 is the number or you can use uh, the uh, twitter handle at off the ball or leave a comment on whatever stream you're watching this live um, some of you get this on our podcast network as well so make sure you hit subscribe on that let's talk about some football and a reminder to everybody out there the snap and all of our american football coverage is brought to you by the erlingus college football classic like every other sports event basically uh, around the world the 2020 game was postponed amid the global pandemic 2021 now becomes the focus and everybody's really hopeful that illinois versus nebraska can go ahead at the aviva stadium effectively we need a vaccine for that to happen um, the very latest up-to-date information about the game and tickets is available at collegefootballireland.com um, let's start with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, people will be tuning back into the NFL. They will no doubt be familiar with the uh, the outrageous figures and the representation of his contract as a half a billion dollar contract. 
that he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, to all intents and purposes, he is going to make half a billion over the next 10 years through on-field and off-field, and potentially a billion if he lives up to the potential of last year. Keen, it's impossible to see anything other than Lamar Jackson stopping Patrick Mahomes. Uh, no, the fo- football doesn't really work that way. The NFL doesn't work that way. Like we, we we're glossing over, we we, I mean, we repeatedly gloss over the fact that they weren't the favourites entering the playoffs for the, for the Super Bowl. The fact that they were losing in all three of their games and they had to actually struggle to win that Super Bowl. Like the 49ers were an extremely good team and they were at a, level, a peak that they're not going to reach again because they left the Forrest Buckner go, or they're not going to reach again in the immediate future at least. They left the Forrest Buckner go. They left. They left. Um, they left Emmanuel Sanders leave so they've, they've replaced them well they've brought in good young players but they're they're a sign of what can happen in the NFL you can have other teams that are just better in every single area and the quarterback becomes the great equalizer Peyton Manning won two Super Bowls and in one of those he was a terrible quarterback and, and, and at his peak during that first season back with the Broncos he was exceptionally good and they lost to the Seahawks because the Seahawks had a much better overall team so it's going to be a challenge for the for the Chiefs to keep all their players moving forward I know it's something that gets brushed aside a lot of the time but these cap problems do exist and then the other threat to Mahomes is he's already had one significant injury with that knee last year so over the course of 10 years playing in the NFL you tend to take a little bit of a beating and his style of play and so this is something that's kind of can tie back into what we were talking about in terms of quarterbacks and black black quarterbacks backs and the way they're perceived Mahomes style of play is really dangerous and that's not he, whenever you say style of play for a quarterback and dangerous people think oh he's a runner he's going to run to hits that's not what it is the most dangerous style of play for a quarterback is a quarterback who's willing to stand in the pocket play from condensed pockets and stand in and take hits and let players fall at their knees all the time and Mahomes and that's that's how you become one of the best quarterbacks that's how Ryan Tannehill hurt his ACL in Miami a couple of years ago he stood in Calais Campbell fell onto his knee in the pocket and snapped his knee in half basically and that's how you become one of the best quarterbacks because you have to get maximize all that time and space in the pocket and make plays work as designed every play is designed to work with the quarterback in the middle of the field so if they can make that work or if he plays that way for the next 10 years he's not likely to stay fully healthy uh, no however you would say that the expectation level the bar should be set for Patrick Mahomes at Kansas City as high as we set the bar for Tom Brady because he has the perfect coach uh, they've managed to keep the team together for largely for next year and for this season the 2020-2021 season that we're all going to get so happy about saying and I like Ronan surely Surely nothing is going to derail this team this year, barring injury. No, the, the key point you made there is that they've largely kept their, their team intact, which is uh, not the common thing for Super Bowl champions. So you would suggest that the ceiling is higher than they showed last year. They kind of stumbled a little bit mid-season. Granted, that was in, due in large part to that injury to Mahomes, which looked like a season-ender at the time, and it was kind of somewhat miraculous that he, that he made a run back. But... I think they can actually build on what they did last year and improve a little bit. Damien Williams is a bit of a loss. I know uh, because Mahomes wasn't exactly spectacular in that Super Bowl, he got the MVP, but Williams is probably their their key player in that match to keep them sort of ticking over and sort of finish the job ultimately for them. I know they drafted well and have a good replacement there, but you know there, there are a few issues they have to contend with, but... The West is, while exciting, and I think all three teams besides the Chiefs have improved, I think they should win that division quite easily this this year again, and it will be likely the Ravens or someone of that ilk meeting them later in the AFC. Yeah, let's briefly talk about the, the Ravens, and we're working at the, the top end here. Um, did the Ravens get better or worse in the offseason, Keen? 
Oh, up until that Earl Thomas release, uh, it, it was very decidedly in one direction. So uh, I, Roland talked about this earlier, and what he said was right. That Earl Thomas didn't have the impact they expected him to have. But it was also down to scheme and down to uh, player assignment. So Don Martindale, Wink Martindale, which is his nickname, I don't really understand that, but Don Martindale is the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. And all he did last year was disguise coverages and blitz like crazy. And he did that because he didn't have individual quality pass rushers. This year, they've got Calais Campbell, and they got the uh, Broncos defensive lineman whose name escapes right now as two interior penetrators and Campbell can move around and be a win one-on-one so hopefully they won't blitz as much but this is a huge key to their season if they run the same defense this year that they ran last year they'll run into the same problems and with Earl Thomas the, the so the key detail of what it was is when you blitz you're putting your secondary players in one-on-one situations and you're asking them to play in more space when you disguise your coverages you're asking your safeties to line up in one spot and then reach another spot before the play begins or as the play begins to cover more ground than they normally would. This means your safeties are going to be exposed a lot more. It means there's going to be a lot more big plays. The hope is the quarterback is confused enough that you can sack him or he misses the big open play and throws the ball away or, or misses the throw. So it's a very uh, high high reward, high risk strategy, but it's also one that's the toughest for any safety to play in, in the league because you can be as fast as Earl Thomas is and look slow because you're being asked to do so much more than you should be. And they, they improved this year by bringing in defensive uh, players on the defensive line that will make them better. Campbell, in particular, is an exceptional player. The first-round rookie, Patrick Queen, I think is a good player as well. I think he fits what they're going to do there. They have massive size up front, so if they run into the Tennessee Titans again, it should be an easier matchup for them. The Chiefs, I think, are still built to beat the Ravens. So the big key for the Ravens taking a step forward this year are actually none of the additions or none of the rookies. It's Miles Boykin and Marquise Brown, the two second-year players. Don't those receivers, like Marquise Brown was outstanding as a rookie. Miles Boykin actually played very few snaps. I remember seeing him quite a bit because when he was on the field, he was involved, but he did not play a lot. So he needs to be the second starter there and they need uh, Marquise Brown to take that step forward into being a star. He's added weight apparently, which he desperately needed to do because he was 160 pounds in a, a sport where everyone else is 210 or 205. So I'm excited about that team still. I think they're right there with the Chiefs, but I would probably favor the Chiefs a little bit, especially with the Earl Thomas departure. Okay. Uh, is there a, an out right third team are are we to think that if cam newton has been named the starting qb that mvp quality cam might be back and in a bill belichick team that actually they should be right there like what the hell's wrong with us riding off a bill belichick team sure some players are missing what about the houston texans they're first up against the kansas city chiefs and they played pretty well for a quarter and a half uh, to uh, have a three or four touchdown lead, whatever it was in the in the playoffs in the um, was, that the, was that the divisional game? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, are any of these teams close to the top two teams? I mean, if you put Cam Newton fully healthy, fully effective with Bill Belichick, they're not just close, they're right there. So the big the story for the Patriots is they've lost a bunch of players to COVID opt-outs and a bunch of starters are in there. So that's going to be a problem and they're not going to be as good as they were in the past. But with Cam Newton and Bill Belichick, you've got the two most important pieces in the league, in, or the two more, most important pieces on your team. And a key detail of the Patriots is David Andrews is back in the centre. So they've now got the best interior offensive line in the league. The last time Cam Newton had a good interior offensive line, he was the MVP. 
So it, it, the quality of that team, if Newton is healthy, is right there with them. And I think it's a massive positive that Newton was already named a starter. He was named a captain, but that doesn't really matter because he's the starting quarterback and there's three captains on offense, three on defense. So that's always going to be, he's always going to be one of them. But the fact he was named a starter a week before the season is a real positive. And I think that's a sign that he's fully healthy. So I'm high on the page. I did, a, I picked every single game in the league, put it on off the ball last night, where I did all the predictions, all the records are there. And the Patriots, I think, had 12-4 and four in the end. So I believe in Belichick more than I do pretty much any other coach in the league and I think if Cam's healthy that's a major major uh, threat in the AFC yeah Ronan there was like a two week postseason story where it was like ooh, ooh the Patriots could be about to throw it all in and tank because Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is coming out and he's going to be the best quarterback of all time it's going to be an off season they'll just regroup and they'll give the two Belichick kids time to see what it's like and it's like no screw that we're retooling we're going we're, we're going to go 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 um, are they are they are anybody else like is, is there is there that single tier, or do you agree with Kean that if uh, if he's fully fit and he plays, or even if he's not fully fit, if he's 70, 80 percent of what he was, that there's enough there in Cam Newton and Bill Belichick that the Patriots can be relevant? Yeah, it's incredibly fascinating. I think it's probably the most fascinating narrative going into this season is what the Patriots are going to look like. I know people are. We'll talk with the NFC next week and the basically dream team that the Bucks are putting together for Tom Brady. It's incredible, but it's quite the opposite for Bill Belichick. They're stripped down. Cam Newton aside, there aren't there isn't that much star power. And as Keane mentioned, leaders off the team this year with Hightower and Chung. So there, I think it could be a little bit troublesome for them initially, but the playbook is wide open for Josh McDaniels, and I'm sure he's very excited about that. You just wonder about Cam Newton. It, it looks like a master plan from Belichick now, but he was off, like he was unemployed for about three months, Cam Newton. It's not as if uh, Belichick always knew this was the guy that was going to take them forward. There's a lot to be said for driving the price down, and they did that to the nth degree. But like anyone could have picked them up in the intervening couple of weeks there. So it's not as if Belichick knew he had him in safe hands. No, but it's the same he, with the Ravens picking Lamar. Everybody could have picked Lamar, and it turns out they didn't even pick him first. So like sometimes, sometimes you get lucky when you're very clever. Yeah, but you just wonder, is this like a shotgun wedding? Or is this is this a marriage of convenience? <laughs> or are they actually going to be together for the next five or six years? Is Cam Newton there to make a, make a point? And he Who, could. Like, who's up the duff? <laughs> it's a fair point. No, I think if he is if he is a reasonably good season, when he signed this contract, I'm sure it was a prove-it deal, to use that term, where if you have a good season this year, it might not be with us, but you'll get big money in your next contract. And I think it's looking increasingly like uh, to your point that the Trevor Lawrence I think the Jags are making a play for him the way they're going in the offseason seems to be but I think the Patriots are going to be with Cam Newton for the next couple of years so it's more than a private year for him I think they're going to try and build something with Newton I was um, thinking about the uh, the AFC versus the NFC and how all of a sudden the NFC have the books and it's a bit sexier and you know obviously and then I was like actually hang on a second there's loads of great stories in the AFC we haven't talked about the Colts yet we haven't talked about the Broncos yet we haven't talked about the Steelers yet if Big, if Big Ben is relatively fit, like relatively fit, he is such an upgrade over the rubbish that they had at quarterback last year, Keen, that all of a sudden that team automatically becomes contenders because their defense last year proved that the coaching staff are absolutely genius. It's mad that uh, you mentioned the big AFC storylines and we haven't even mentioned that DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play for the Texans anymore, which was for a long time the biggest storyline of the offseason. Uh, but yeah, the, the Steelers... 
So I'm torn on this because I think Mike Tomlin is a much better coach when he's not having a, an expansive offense, when he's not trying to win games in a, with an offensive identity. And that means, in, in, so that means not embracing Ben Roethlisberger's desires to be this reckless uh, timing or not this non-timing quarterback, this guy who wants to come out and play the way he did in his prime, which he just can't do at 36, 35, 37, whatever age he is. Coming off major shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery where he couldn't throw for most of the last year, I, I, I can't be optimistic about how healthy he's going to be. But yes, if he's the guy he was when he was 30, when he was 29, this team is extremely good. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster, they've added Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, who is... Uh, an interesting rookie to say the least and they got him in the second round the defensive front there with Bud Dupree Cameron Haywood and TJ Watt who's becoming one of the better defenders in the league you have the linebacker from last year where they brought in Devin Bush and then you've got Mika Fitzpatrick on the back end like the talent there on defense is exceptional which will keep them at a certain level do I think they're going to be a contender if Roethlisberger is fully healthy no I think they'll probably be a playoff team probably be in the wildcard round and something we should mention as well there's an extra wildcard round team this year there's seven teams on each side of the playoffs so I think the Patriots are sorry, not the Patriots. I think the Steelers have exceptional talent on defense, have a good offense if Roethlisberger is fully effective. Like the offensive line isn't what it was before either. That's taken a hit. Ramon Foster is gone as well. Uh, Marcus Gilbert left two years ago and they haven't properly replaced him in my opinion. So you still have question marks there even outside of Roethlisberger. So the Steelers like defensively exceptional. Offensively, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really uh, excited about them. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts have obviously uh, taken a punt on an old QB who many people thought were washed. They have surrounded him with a lot of talent and um, a, a brilliant young period, or a brilliant young uh, core group of, of players over the last couple of years that they've been building. I mean, just imagine how good this team would be if they had Andrew Luck in their prime. Ronan, what do you think is going to happen with the Indianapolis Colts in the Philip Rivers era? Yeah, I think we touched on it in our shows a couple of months ago. I was just totally baffled by this move and the money they decided to pay him for the deal, given that there seemed to be no competition for his signature apart from the TV networks. I think ESPN were craving him to get into their booth, but they've gone a different direction because of what the Colts did here. But I understand the connection with Frank Reich. I think he's worked with him for three years in the past so Reich obviously trusts him a lot and as you mentioned there they've got they've got a lot of talent outside him but he had a lot of talent uh, with San Diego stroke Los Angeles as well and I I was always a big fan of Philip Rivers especially reasonably okay the year previous but last year it just looked like he got old overnight and you just wonder I think this might be a season too far for him I, I've, I thought the same but I've changed my mind I, I think that uh, modern medicine is great and can definitely help people have a, a late Indian summer and also the fact that he's going to be behind one of the best offensive lines in football Keen is something that he hasn't had and so therefore he's going to have a lot of time to make his decisions plus his receiving core is actually quite good has modern medicine changed that much between this year and last year or in the year before? Well, his offensive line Philip has. Rivers, uh, yeah, but like Philip Rivers hasn't been able to throw the ball properly for two or three years. Like he physically can't throw, he can't hit a 15 yard out route consistently, which is an, like he couldn't do it with Keenan Allen. He now has, he has a better offensive line. He doesn't have better receivers. And that's one of, the, one of the big key with this Colts team is they drafted a guy in the second round who is basically a tight end who they want to play wide receiver in Michael Pittman. And I, I just don't see enough talent on the Colts to 
be excited about them even if they had good quarterback play. I don't think there's a massive difference between what Philip Rivers is right now and what Jacoby Brissett is right now. If I was looking for a team in the AFC to be excited about and who are going to be like an upstart and who are going to upset the the top, which typically happens in the NFL, we generally get at least one team in each side that becomes uh, a bigger team than you expect. I think it would be the Denver Broncos because they've got that youth. Drew Locke last year had an awful first game and then after that was exceptional for the rest of the way through. They've changed their offensive coordinator, but they've brought in Pat Shermer, who's pretty smart, who's pretty good. You've got the wide receivers there, Jerry Judy's adding to Cortland Sutton, which is exceptionally good. The offensive line there is coached by uh, Mike Munchak, which is a massive uh, massive upgrade. Well, he was there last year, but he got his his real positive is he, like Dante Scarnecchia in New England, the more time he has an offensive lineman, the better they're going to get. So hopefully he can sort Garrett Balls out. And then defensively, it's Von Miller and you've added AJ Bowie and they've added um, from the defensive lineman, Gerald Casey from the Tennessee Titans. So if I was picking a team like outside of the top AFC teams, I would be looking past the Colts. I don't think they're, like I don't even think they'll compete with the Texans in their division. So I think like there are the Titans in their division who are a better team than them as well. It's the Broncos for me who are kind of the, the next next team in line there. All right, are we writing the Titans off? You, you have been on the Ryan Tannehill bandwagon before. It was popular or profitable to do so. Are you clambering off it now that everybody else is on board? It definitely wasn't profitable for me to be on that bandwagon anyway. Uh, I, I'm, I think that team overachieved last year. I think the coaching there is problematic in that it narrows the windows. And what happened last year was Tanhill made everything work and was exceptional playing at an exceptional high level. Hang for on, a is, long is time. the coaching not good? Is, is, what's wrong with the coaching? Because everybody raves about Mike Rabel. Hold on a second. Everyone raves about coaching in the NFL based on win-loss records. That's why everyone thought Matt Nagy was a really good coach after his first year when he was doing a lot of problematic things in situational football. And one of Matt Nagy's biggest problems now is he doesn't use Mitch Trubisky the way he should. So my problem with the Titans offense and is they purposely take away space. So the designs of the routes are to put A.J. Brown into tight areas and they have another receiver coming into the same area. And it's all done off of play action. It's all done with very specific run-oriented offenses. And that can work when you've got Kyle Shanahan calling plays because Kyle Shanahan maximizes space. When you have Devo Samuel running across the field and Emmanuel Sanders running deep on a post route, the defense is being pulled in two different directions, which creates those wide-open windows for Jimmy Garoppolo to hit. The opposite is happening in Tennessee. And it happened all last year. And if you go through Ryan Tannehill's plays, you see every single time he's hitting a deep ball, but well, most of the time he's hitting a deep ball or an intermediate pass, it's going into this minuscule window. And it's a testament to how, how good Tannehill was and how accurate Tannehill is and how, to how talented his arm is that he can make those throws consistently. But if you're asked to, like the way I always explain this is, if you're asked to do a, a second class test and you're asked to do the leaving cert every single day, the person who's doing the leaving cert is always going to become worse over the long term because they're being asked to do something much tougher than what the second class of the person is being asked to do so it, it's it's a level like coaching you should be making your players jobs easier you shouldn't be making things tougher and you shouldn't be so rigid and so specific in what you're asked to do Marcus Mariota made that those types of offensive he's a different offensive coordinator different head coach as well but a similar philosophy and similar style he made those offenses work for a long time and eventually it wore him down and he took eight or nine sacks at one point and couldn't move the ball and could barely throw the ball by the end and the same thing happened to Ryan Tannehill in Miami so it, it's not something that he's unfamiliar with either if you don't have good coaching it will eventually catch up to you it might not impact you in the short term but over the long term it will okay so you think the titans are coming back to earth this year absolutely yeah right and well, he also giving away giving away Gerald casey made no sense to me 
he's a run stopper, is he? What, what does he? What does he do? No, Jarrell like he had one or two down years, but it was relative to where he was before. He was one of the best defensive linemen in the league for a long time. He's a penetrating defensive lineman on the interior, which is extremely difficult to find. And they drafted a guy two years ago who's going to be really good as well, and he's his replacement. But when they drafted him, the idea was he'd put him next to them, and you could elevate your whole offense or your whole defensive line. He's similar to Aaron Donald, but obviously not on Aaron Donald's level. But he's just one one stop below that. And you put him now on the Broncos next to Von Miller, and that's a big part of why the Broncos are taking a big step forward. And they've right. got Bradley Chubb as well. So yeah, it, just, Chubb, it was insane to me. Chubb's injury, there's the, there was a swelling in the knee last week, so I think people are, are concerned about that. And obviously, he's such a, a superstar player as well. Um, who do you think is coming back to Earth, Ronan? Because obviously, every year one of these teams ends up being no. Sometimes it's through injury. The quarterback goes down, and they don't have a plan for that because. Uh, you know, you just really can't legislate for it unless you have incredible planning or you're um, Belichick. So, any of these other teams, or are you on board with the, the Titans being the one that comes back to the pack, Ronan? No, I quite liked the Titans last year, and I take all of Keane's points there, but the momentum they had at the end of last season, I know we dismiss momentum as a real thing uh, in sports, Jerry, but I think they did some, something of a feel-good factor out of last season. I think they will carry that on. Mike Brable seems like a kind of character who can channel that positive energy. And they kept most of their team. I think 10 of their offense from last year are back to start this year. So even Derek Henry, I think even Mossy Quinn at our roadshow was quite skeptical about whether he'd hang around. But yeah. you have to play the hot hand when you have him. And the franchise tagged him and kept him on the books. So it's it's unlikely, obviously, that he'll be pass rush champion again two years on the spin. It almost never happens. But I think if he can have any 80% of that impact, they should they should have something of a, a run this year. And then, like, for the first time, there's actually interest in all the divisions. You can even say about the East, uh, given that Tom Brady's not there anymore, that, you know, there are some interesting... Even the Dolphins, who I think Brian Flores deserved enormous credit last year for an organisation that was clearly trying to lose, and he still managed to, to win games with them. And the Bills, who, again, close strong. Again, it's hard to look past the Patriots, but even that division seems to be a lot more competitive than it used to be. Yeah, here's hoping. Here is absolutely hoping that it is a bit more competitive and that we see the Patriots involved in some close games on a regular basis. I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the, the other end of things. But before we do, what's the story with the Houston Texans? Is that just an open-ended question? Well, it is, because, like, they have... I mean, I can go in different directions here. Well, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league who's electrifying to watch. Um, I own him in a dynasty league, and so, therefore, I've been tuned in pretty much every week to what he's been doing. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Constantly running for his life, constantly pulling stuff off, sometimes left-handed, sometimes, like... I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see him pass the ball to himself at some point in all this. And I, I think the, the best way to explain this, Jared, is that Dwayne Brown two years ago got traded away, one of the best of tackles in the league. Last year, Genevieve Clowney got traded away. Now, Genevieve Clowney isn't with a team right now, so you can argue he's probably not that good, but he is extremely talented and was effective at the time. And then DeAndre Hopkins got traded away this year. So there's a very clear pattern where Bill O'Brien is mismanaging his players and mismanaging what is decision making and a couple of years ago Bill O'Brien didn't like the first round pick of the Texans so he assumed the GM role he got his GM fired and took over and became the head coach and the GM and we talked about this before but being the head coach and being the GM is a real problem because the GM is supposed to be there as an objective guy who sits back and evaluates players away from the training field whereas Bill O'Brien has made emotional decisions over and over again and like he's, he's cut players because they've had bad practices or weren't in, in, like it was Dante Foreman who was criticized for not being fully 100% in the practice and he just cut him so 
Bill O'Brien has this belief in himself that he is a superstar head coach and his he doesn't he can make whatever players he has work and become this great team and it's really hurt them because they've just been hemorrhaging talent and it's for in, in Bill O'Brien's defense like they've had one bad season since he's been in six seasons there they've won at least nine games every single year outside of that year Deshaun Watson was hurt but they're just never going to take the next step and the when, when you're really like if you look at last year's playoffs like the real real problem here because there have been coaches in the league who will jettison talent and still make it work but the real problem with Bill O'Brien is they got to the key moment last year against the Chiefs they needed to make that aggressive move they were up 21-3 or whatever it was they were up by three scores they could have pushed out to an insurmountable comeback for the Chiefs and he kicked a field goal and instead of kicking a field goal or instead of going for it when it was 4th and 1 near the goal line he kicked a field goal and then came back on the next drive and faked a punt or fake the field goal, whatever it was, and lost the game, gave the ball back to the Chiefs again. Yeah. So if you're combining, you think you're more important than the players, and then you making really bad decisions on the field, it's going to cost you in the long run. So it, uh, they are one of those teams who you expect to fall back to earth, or because they have such good quality at quarterback, are they actually still going to be one of those teams who ends up in the playoffs? Well, I think Deshaun's going to carry them the way he did last year. Like, they were only a wildcard team last year. They went to the second round of the playoffs by beating the Buffalo Bills, who were awful. So I don't think they're coming back to earth. I think they'll be around the same level because they did bring in Brandon Cooks, who was a really good addition. Like, he, as much as he's not DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to be effective and he's a good fit with Deshaun Watson because he's a really aggressive decision maker, wants to throw deep. They'll be throwing deep bombs all year. They'll be a lot of fun to watch on offense, but they won't be consistently good. They won't be as good as the 49ers, the Chiefs, or the Ravens. Uh, you don't think David Johnson is going to have a, a breakout comeback here? David Johnson, like his body is broken down. Like David Johnson in, in his early years was this incredible athlete who could run over you, could run around you, could jump over you, could could make you miss in, in tight spaces. He could do everything. And then he had all these lower body injuries and he just became stuck in the mud and he was always kind of carrying himself rather than exploding in true runs. And it really made no sense that the, the Texans took that contract back in the Hopkins deal. Like it seems they sought him out. They wanted him, which was baffling to everyone watching on because he's not even as good as Duke Johnson who's already on the roster we'll see all right um do you want to say anything about them before we move on to the the cleveland browns ronan no i, I think the, the point the key point is that it's not really feasible given the the, the stress of both o'brien uh, a little bit and the um that trade in the summer or that trade in the offseason made no sense at the time and you kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he was he had a grand plan and he was going to spend that money on that Hopkins money on something more to, to build a team in other areas but then he ended up giving the same money to Brandon Cooks who you know has been problematic really like a very talented player but has never really lit it up in recent years especially and then Randall Cobb again it's like if you just paid DeAndre Hopkins I know there's personality clashes but nobody since Hopkins came into the league nobody has started more games than him at the wide receiver position so I think that kind of speaks to his reliability yeah. get rid of him your franchise player I just couldn't get my head around it but the Browns I don't know like the fact that they they actually have a coach this year should should benefit them you know someone who's uh, capable of head coaching in the league should improve them a little bit and you know there's a very talented team and a lot of people were picking them last year given their recruits in free agency coming into last season that they could challenge for the north obviously never played out like that but they're probably better built to be underdogs especially this season when it is such a competitive afc north and then the bengals look like uh, i know joe burrow is the the face of this draft class but you know, coming into your first competitive game off the back of no preseason snaps, you know, it's quite a daunting prospect for him. 
The um, the Browns, Kean, uh, there's just a little bang of the 49ers last offseason to, to them. When I'm reading what people are saying about them, it's a year on from the hype. Uh, the one difference is that we actually did see a lot of their quarterback play this year, whereas the previous season, obviously, uh, Garoppolo had been injured and their quarterback play was absolutely useless. So uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong to draw some parallels, but I think the eight and a half win total, I'm going over on that. Ooh, I'm definitely going under. Uh, no, I, I understand where you're coming from. Like, isn't it mad? We haven't even like Miles Garrett isn't even a big story. <laughs> like, he was throwing helmets at people not that long ago, and we went in and kind of looked at that and were wondering if it was going to be assault or not. But the the Browns have kind of had an off season that they really like. I, I guess my my reason I'm down on the Browns is I'm so down on Baker Mayfield and I'm so down on them where they're coming from last year. But in terms of their offseason, you can't really criticize them. Jedrick Willis coming in a tackle is perfect at left tackle. He's, he's an outstanding player and he's going to be a great starter from day one. And then Jack Conklin at right tackle is a proven starter at right, who, who played for the Titans last year. So that addresses their biggest non-quarterback issue. You've got two high-quality starting linemen on the outsides, which is the exact opposite of what they had last year. And you have Kevin Stefanski coming in who, like Stefanski is Gary Kubiak disciple basically Gary Kubiak came into Minnesota last year and Stefanski ran the offense that Kubiak ran while Kubiak was the assistant but really it kind of felt like Kubiak was the offensive coordinator there and what that means is it'll be a lot of running the ball it'll be a lot of the quarterback under center a lot of hiding Baker Mayfield and not asking Baker Mayfield to do things that he can't do so it's going to be a Nick Chubb heavy offense so in that sense in terms of the 49ers comparison that's going to look very similar because it's going to be a lot of running a lot of running the ball a lot of open play action shots and the other thing is Oil Beckham mentioned this kind of in passing a couple of weeks ago he played hurt last year so like when Odell Beckham is fully healthy and fully effective that's a complete offense altering addition so if he's fully healthy Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs in the league Austin Hooper comes in as a good fit as tight end Jarvis Landry is still there I don't like Jarvis Landry but people generally do and he's he generally produces if given enough opportunities so I think like the talent is there my big questions with the Browns is just the quarterback yeah well look if they're hiding him uh, who knows and if they've got the um, brain power to do that properly then fair play to them they're going to be able to do it Tim Tim Gaming on YouTube says certainly going to be a weird season but I think Mahomes will dominate again oddly I'm not sure the Ravens will be quite as good I don't know I I can't see any reason why there would be significant regression in terms of what the Ravens are able to do they've beefed up their running attack so they might not ask Lamar Miller to run for 1200 yards but I don't don't know who's going to be able to stop him like watching the best defenders in the NFL last year get juked out by him in no space on wet days was like Wow, this is absolutely phenomenal. He's by far the most exciting and electric runner to watch. And then he's also one of the best quarterbacks at the same time. It's a sensational thing to look forward to. Let me run you through the fixtures because this day next week, we will be looking back on the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are uh, up in a rematch against the Houston Texans. Uh, The Buffalo Bills are at home against the Jets on uh, Sunday afternoon. It's the Vikings at home for the Packers, the Washington football team at home for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Ravens have the Browns first up. The Jags have the Colts. It's going to be interesting to see exactly just how bad the Jags are this year. The Panthers, an interesting um, test case for how quickly you can rebuild a franchise, even when you've got an absolute superstar on your team at home for the Raiders and it's Detroit at home against the Bears. They're the first eight games and uh, second eight games for you. 
The Falcons at home for the Seahawks, the Pats at home for the Dolphins, the Bengals and Joe Burrow at home for the Chargers, the 49ers are playing against the Arizona Cardinals, the Denver Broncos against the Titans, the Giants against the Steelers, and the Rams against the Cowboys, and the Saints are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I didn't realize that, uh, yeah, so, sorry, is it the Giants and the Steelers? I didn't realize there were interconference games in the first week of the season, but obviously there are. Um, do you want to say anything about Joe Burrow and how exciting that actually is going to be for one of the most begotten fan bases in world sport? Over the length of the season, yes, absolutely. He's going to be great to watch. The first game, I think... I think he's unfortunate because he has more height than any quarterback since Andrew Luck, and he didn't get any preseason games. He didn't get any real preparation. And now he goes in and has to face Joey Bosa, has to face Joey Bosa being blocked by the Bengals' offensive line, which is one of the worst in the league. Like He's being thrown in like at the deepest, deep end that he could possibly be thrown into. So I actually feel really bad for him because the first couple of weeks are going to be extremely rough. He might actually, like, he might perform through it. And if he does that, then the hype is going to go insane because the start should be bad. I think overall he's going to have a really good rookie year, but he's going to make a lot of mistakes, and they're going to ask him to do a lot, which is standard for high-end rookies. Yeah, that's the last question I just wanted to ask you both. Is it going to be a weird year because of the absence of preseason games? We hear coaches bitch and whine and moan and piss about preseason games, and now this year they're bitching and whining and moaning and pissing about the fact they don't have them. Does it matter? I like To that point, I think it is more for the rookies that... Uh, just have to acclimatize to this whole new pace and, and strength of, of basically match day action that they just will not be familiar with whatsoever. And it will take a couple of weeks, those, the weeks where they would have played quarters and halves in preseason to, to get used to that. They just won't have it this year. So Burrow very much thrown in the deep end. He seems to have the correct temperament. I've never been totally won over by his actual talent, to be honest. I'll probably be proven wholly wrong on that over the next few years, but I think he's definitely level-headed and won't be—he won't be bowled over by the occasion or anything like that. And he seems to have won over the the building um, in Cincinnati anyway. The way Mixon is talking and AJ Green, they seem to be this is our guy now going forward, yeah. which they weren't—they weren't necessarily saying about Andy Dalton, but everyone was saying that about Baker Mayfield as well—that he's a leader, he's a leader of men and all this kind of stuff. And the brands never really, never really kicked into gear. So I, I think the jury's still a little bit out on on Joe. Yeah, Baker didn't actually look like a leader. He just looked like somebody who um, liked to take the piss out of the coaches uh, during hard knocks. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, Baker can make the comeback that everybody thinks he can. A reminder, of course, the snap and all our American football coverage is brought to you by the Erlingers College Football Classic. Check out collegefootballireland.com for all the details about the game that we really hope goes ahead. Illinois against Nebraska. We were all very sad last week, which uh, should have been the day when the uh, college football game between Navy and Notre Dame was happening this year. But uh, obviously, um, events, dear boy, events, and we didn't get to see it. So anyway, I want to um, just pull this up. It is uh, Kean's piece on otbsports.com. It's a deep dive ahead of the season uh, where he's gone into looking to see exactly uh, what is going to happen in every single game. So, you know, uh, have you, did you put down an accumulator on this did, for, your, for your one cent? Do you win like a billion dollars? No, I haven't done that yet. I always wait till the last minute to do that because you might get a, a situation like an Army Tunsil trade that happened last year and the, the Ravens were uh, minus four and a half, I think, over the Dolphins, a team that wasn't trying to win and that was covered basically at halftime. Uh, I, I will look at the... In this article, I've picked every game, but like picking every game, especially with the way the sport is with injuries, you can't really have much confidence in that. But there's a specific overs and unders there that I'm really confident in that I really like, so you can go to that article and find them there. Also, just because we haven't mentioned him at all, we should mention 
reaction to it, Tagovailoa is fully healthy apparently and is ready to start the season, which is a big deal for the Dolphins fans. But don't play him yet, right? Give him five, six, no. eight weeks to actually get up to speed and see exactly what's happening, be in the environment, and then unleash him. Like it, there's no rush, right? If if he's your guy and he's fit, there's no rush. This season not that important. Next season not that important. Season after that, yeah, let's go, right? You and, you and I can say that and that's historically what the league has been but ever since the Jags came in and said Blake Bortles is going to sit for his whole first season it doesn't matter what happened and Blake Bortles was starting in week two it's been like that no one's had any patience actually the only team that's had patience is the Kansas City Chiefs and look how that turned out so you can't really complain you can't really criticize that approach but NFL coaches are under so much pressure now the turnover was so quickly they're always in a rush to get uh, the rookies on the field I think Tagovailoa will be starting by week three Keen, good stuff Ronan good stuff thanks Thanks a million and uh, we'll see you next week for a review of the first game of the NFL season. I can't believe it. Best of luck.